welcome back to White Noise Podcast. As usual, we're back here today with Liana and Sky. Hi, and welcome back to the White Noise Podcast. Today, you're joined by me, Liana, and Sky, and we're going to be talking about The Handmaiden. Absolute gem of a movie from um, Korean director Park Chan-wook, someone that you'll definitely know if you follow Liana on Twitter. The 2016 romance thriller, which is set in 1930s Korea under Japanese rule, follows the tale of a thief hired as a handmaiden for a wealthy lady whose fortune she plans to steal. However, affairs of the heart begin to complicate matters in a non-stop shop story that will literally have you guessing right up until the very end. That was fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so first of all, just want to say, as per if you haven't watched The Handmaiden, proceed with caution we'll give a proper Mm -hmm. spoiler warning when we do go into proper spoiler territory maybe don't listen if you really do want to enjoy the film because like with a lot of korean films in particular it's nice to go in blind that's hugely i've already said that if i had known anything about this film going in i do believe i still would have enjoyed it would not have had the literal jaw on the floor reaction (laughs) that i did have it's, so it's it's worth it it's a huge payoff if you just don't know much to anything going into it i think it's also important to note right now that this was sky's first park chan work film yeah to my knowledge <laughs> i will just say quickly because like i've i've seen some stuff in my time um and i can't always put like a name to it but i'm pre- yeah i'm pretty sure this is this is the first that i've seen mm-hmm. and it, it's definitely opened a gateway it is my gateway drug into this yeah this is going to be like Wait, have you seen Parasite yet? <laughs> well, I was gonna say this is gonna be like this is gonna be like the inching the door open. Then you'll watch Parasite, and then yeah. it'll just be Korean cinema. The reason I haven't watched Parasite for the same reason I didn't watch The Handmaiden until mm-hmm. literally last night. Yeah, was because um, so like over a year ago now we originally <laughs> were gonna start this podcast. The Handmaiden was meant to be the OG episode one film. Mm-hmm. But as Leanna and I do, we um, had a bit of day drinking, got talking, and realised we didn't have about two and a half hours to spare before I had to go home. <laughs> so we picked something else, um, even if it ended up becoming redundant, because it never got released. But um, <laughs> I was really excited to do it because of that. But that's also the reason I haven't watched Parasite, because I thought maybe one day mm-hmm. we could do it for a reaction, we could do it for this. And I will admit, I'm very expressive when I watch stuff that catches me off guard. <laughs> So it's it's worth it for me to wait. <laughs> I think I would have paid to see your reaction to this because obviously I suggested it to you so many times because I knew you would love it. I think most people yeah. would like this film, but in particular, you. My reaction was on par with um, the way I reacted to the mirror scene in Suspiria. <laughs> like that's how big my reaction was to it, even if it wasn't the same feelings I had for it. It was just, you know, that first twist in The Handmaiden, when it comes in, I was just like, no. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was just amazing because I was happy enough knowing that it was a lesbian romance movie. Um, and I had heard people obviously ranting and raving about mm-hmm. it. And Liana had told me that I needed to watch it. And whenever Liana tells me I need to watch a film, then I must need to watch <laughs> it. But then also it had the, the twist and off cuff it was it was actually it was funny as well in certain parts yes. it was so entertaining so mm-hmm. wholly entertaining it almost mm-hmm. like ticked all the boxes that you want in a yes. film i think you'll find that it. with a lot of park chanwook's films and like i said to you briefly before we started this episode he's friends with bong joon ho and they mm-hmm. both they love to insert humor into things i think that just adds a whole le- 
whole new level to their films. It They're intense, but more, they also yeah. have these moments of levity. Yeah, it made it feel more genuine. Yes. Which I think, unfortunately, a lot of LGBT-led films um, hit, miss the mark. Yeah, definitely. They don't feel genuine, they feel forced, and they feel like they've obviously been done for a shock mm -hmm. or um, some kind of rebellion whereas this film didn't feel like that it just felt no. like two women falling in love exactly and i think it felt very genuine yeah it did and like as we've said it's it's just a completely loved film really it's as i'd mentioned to you it saw universal acclaim still does it mm -hmm. competed for the palm door at Cannes, received a standing ovation didn't win but the fact that it was in competition is still you know it's notable to say the least mm -hmm. um in our native UK in 2017, it was like the highest grossing foreign film. So that is a big feat, considering as well that the UK is not that open to foreign films, let mm. alone from a different continent. Like I would probably say most years that's going to be something European. It's not going to be yeah. East Asia. That's as, as far as it tends to go, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know, yeah, it, for something so different and bizarre and out there, like Park Chan work often is, that's really mm -hmm. impressive coming from the UK and like you said this isn't your stereotypical like LGBT torture porn it doesn't go for like the bury your gaze trope and I think we are going to go more into spoiler territory now because we're going to have to start yeah. going into actual aspects of the film oh yeah 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 mm -hmm. so obviously like again especially like any LGBT-led film and um, the biggest thing in it was like the sexuality and the female relationship side of it Mm -hmm. and I just can't express enough how sweet the relationship between these yes. two women was it just like I I didn't cry but it felt like it could have made me cry you didn't cry um, I didn't cry I didn't what it's, be it's because I watched the film with somebody else and for some okay, reason when I watch stuff I think I don't know because I I just hold it back when I watch with other people mm -hmm. okay if yeah. I had been on my own I'm sure I would have cried because it was just like so touching Mm -hmm. um yeah no no I, I didn't cry but like it was it was just both of the both of the well, it was really obvious that they treated the actresses with the respect that they should have been treated with especially yeah. when handling like um delicate topics and I don't just mean you know the sexual awakening side of it like there were other things that happened in it like the mm -hmm. traumatic background and loss of people that they love um, it was yeah, it was obvious that the the way that these two actresses were treated was portrayed on screen because it also allowed the actresses to build a friendship and a relationship between the two of them yeah. that really came across on camera because mm -hmm. their relationship is portrayed and it is referred to quite a few times almost as, as well as like a mother daughter relationship because they take turns looking after each other mm. and being being the mother figures in their lives that they never yeah. had. Mm -hmm. And it, and it just, yeah, it was just so sweet. There's, there's like a trust that really comes through, yeah. I think. Do you Usually. know that bit when they're dressing each other up, which is one of my favourite scenes in the entire film? Because like, as an LGBTQ plus woman, mm -hmm. that is something which I think personally appeals to me about like sapphic romance in stuff. It's mm -hmm. like that, and I hate to refer it to it in this way, but like that girlish play that you don't yeah. see in like heterosexual romances. It's just like, mm -hmm. like just lighthearted fun. 
they're in corsets and these restrictive things and dresses which society would want them to be in you know in a patriarchal society but they're finding enjoyment in it with each other and when there's yeah. and the trust element of that was the fact that you know Hideko is letting Suki wear her amazing expensive garments and mm-hmm. Suki's she letting her dress her, her. As well. yes yeah. exactly like there's this total like power play in that scene where like you know the usual um handmaiden and mistress like Mm -hmm. dynamic is completely just turned on its head and when you know they're both stood there naked it just seems Mm -hmm. so vulnerable but not in like a scary way yeah there's there's i was just actually just brought a good point there's at no point do i really feel like one of them is above the other no never like even in the sense of withholding knowledge which is another big thing in this film Mm-hmm. you know that you need we don't as an audience have all the information at the right time the two women don't have all the information about each other at the same time and yet they still form a bond despite that yeah and the only time i think well the only big thing their um roles as handmaid and and um mistress play is the fact that the, the social barriers between them are already broken down yeah they're already in situations so for example the bath scene Mm -hmm. they're in that situation already not because they're lovers but because it is their roles in society Mm -hmm. but because they don't have the awkwardness of you know putting themselves in that situation they're already there if that makes sense that's true and we when we were talking about this a bit earlier you had talked about the fact that they were in well we both talked about the fact they were in these intimate quarters which would have helped that relationship develop yeah they were given oh, they were, so much yeah, privacy yeah. taken away from the world because i think one of the things i said to liana is like a i don't know if it's a slightly sadistic thing that i do but especially when i love a film i love to read bad reviews because i want to know what parts of it people had an issue with yeah and one of the things that people kept saying was that they didn't believe that in the 1930s two um, sexually repressed gay women would have latched on to each other that quickly. And like I said to Liana, to me, I never at any point questioned how quickly they formed a bond because it was like, surely if you lived in a society that was repressing you, not only by your gender, but also your sexuality and your right to choose who you want to love, if you found somebody who you felt that same energy with, she would attach yourself to them as quickly as you could. So it just it just made perfect sense to me. It's just like they're vibing. Yeah. <laughs> the entire That's film. It. That's not, all it is. One of them does not turn to the other with their gaydar on and think, is she gay? I don't know. Like that whole like lesbian trope, like where they can't yeah. tell. That and never then, happens. There's yeah. no coming out story. There's no questioning. They're just two women that fall in love. And I love that about this film mm-hmm. so much. Because like there's been a lot of talk recently about LGBT cinema, especially with Happiest Season being released. Yeah. Everyone mm-hmm. seems to be talking about lesbian romance mm-hmm. in particular. And everyone keeps talking about coming out as a part mm-hmm. of the like lesbian or just well gay love story mm-hmm. this that is not even a concept in this mm-hmm. film which is weirdly refreshing it is i think this is where the time period that um they decided to set the film and came into like really helped because mm-hmm. you know one of the things that people will say and lgbt people will say is that you know you never stop coming out because yes. the social structure and people you know just automatically assume everybody is straight straight until proven gay Mm -hmm. and um so you do you know when you start a new job if you start a course if you 
don't know, shopping. Sometimes, if you ever reveal something about yourself, um, it will somehow always come out. Whereas with this, like you said, because it was these two women secluded from the rest of the world, there wasn't any need for that because no. they were just existing in their world. They didn't need to be a part of the rest of it. And then at the end, actually, even at the end, because we never see them join the rest of society, it's just them. That's it's a good always point, just them. At no point does society taint them, you know? And also, when Suki, like, contacts her people from home, they don't mm-hmm. even question it. She's just like, no. oh yeah, so this uh, rich Japanese woman that I'm conning, turns out we're gay and we're going to run away together. They're like, sick, how can we help? <laughs> I sick. love the idea that that's exactly what the letter said that she sent to them. <laughs> turns out scroll. I'm hella gay. <laughs> Just only just learned how to write Hangul. (laughs) She's just like, like, how do you say Hella? (laughs) How do you write Hella? (laughs) We have no proof that wasn't the case. (laughs) Also, actually, Hella gave me to escape. Speaking of Hangul and writing, Mm. that is Mm. another thing I absolutely adored about this because when Suki reveals that she can't write, Gecko doesn't really care she's like okay i'll mm-hmm. take you and it doesn't even mm-hmm. become this big thing like it was in other films where they're like that's the mm-hmm. plot oh no yeah this poor unfortunate person this poor soul how to mm-hmm. read and write this illiterate queen it's it's nothing yeah. like that it's just a literal it's a side plot which does yeah. come in handy because you mm-hmm. know we love some planting and payoff but mm-hmm. it's just it's a symbol of how she uses her advantages in life to help suki they mm-hmm. use what they've gathered in their lives to help each other. Like the dif- there was difference in knowledge. Like Suki mm-hmm. helps Hideko in that way, even though she doesn't actually need it, mm-hmm. which we find out she does. And she but at the time to. we don't know that. In the beginning no. we don't know that. Um, but even right after we find out everything, like I said, the one thing that doesn't change is just their positions to each other. They remain equals. Yes. And when they want to help, because this also this whole film in also centers around people you know wanting to be in power wanting to get what they want wanting to do Mm -hmm. wanting to do that um but what they want from each other isn't purely based on them they want to give as much as receive exactly you know it's it's just like yeah it's um it's more about companionship than self and i've recently been examining the romance stories that i consume because Mm-hmm. I realise that a lot of the romance I personally consume is about like personal struggles within romance. And I know a lot of other people, it's maybe not struggles, it's maybe the positives, but it's very much about the self within a romance. Whereas this, mm-hmm. to me, whilst it did have that, they never, obviously they're portrayed as individuals, but it's very much about them as a dynamic, like their yeah. relation, it's more about their relationship than anything. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think that's so refreshing and so unique mm-hmm. it just i don't know i can't name anything quite like it <laughs> i think one of the things you literally just made me realize mm. um and again it goes back to people having negative things to say about the film mm-hmm. if these are the things you didn't like about the film it's because it's not a film for you yes but you obviously one of the things people said that they didn't like was the explicit uh, explicit um sexual scenes mm-hmm. in, in in the film um, but also something else that we spoke about briefly and we actually also spoke about in our last episode was the fact that, you know, no matter how close two women were, they couldn't be gay, they couldn't be a couple, they couldn't be together. Mm-hmm. And can you imagine if, because obviously you talk about the companionship that they do have together, 
if they took out the sexually explicit scenes, mm-hmm. guarantee you, even with like the director and everybody saying this is a lesbian romance film, people mm-hmm. would have been like, mm, I don't know, they just, <laughs> they seemed like really close friends. Like they obviously had yeah. a bond and they just couldn't find the right men for them because obviously all, literally all mm-hmm. the men in this film are shits. Um, so it's almost like, those, I mean, this wasn't the reason, but it's almost like those scenes are also in there to be like, just so you know, they are these gay. women are gay. That's actually such a good point because you know some fuckers out there would be like, just a couple of besties. Yeah. They would, and they would. They people deny it so much. You get these characters in so many shows and films and just any piece of media which are so obviously gay, mm-hmm. and the power of denial is immense. You're so mm-hmm. right that they really did have to go the entire way. Just yeah, there's no like, this is gay. At no point in this film could you be like, oh, these two women, you know, they're just mm-hmm. they've just they've they found each other and they're really close. And obviously they um have a good companionship. Um because the thing is, even without those scenes, it is <laughs> obvious. Because it's oh like you God, said, yeah. like one of some of the cutest scenes in it are like um Oh, what was the line you said that you really liked about is this what companionship's oh, like oh, in books? Don't even in part two like, when you see yeah. it from Hideko's point of view and Suki's holding her face. Like, is this the companionship they write about in books? Oh, it gets me every time. I think it's, it's one so of the most romantic. romantic. Yes. <laughs> it's so romantic. I, I seriously, I said this to you before. I think this this and in the mood for love tied most romantic films of all time. Just straight up. It's it's, it's that so doubt. Romantic all the way through mm-hmm. the tension and the doubt because it's it's not it's not based in just like passion there is a genuine mm-hmm. connection and i think that's where the doubt comes from and the tension mm-hmm. you know it's that constant overthinking and i just i love that like suki's like she doesn't even realize she's falling in love with hideko the bit right oh my god i'm getting <laughs> excited the bit you know in the beginning when yeah. the count turns up in the in the uh what would you call them um are they forgerers what would you refer to them as oh what um the korean household they're all like, yeah they're like thieves they're like i think they're just they're, they're literally thieves because the, the thing she talks about is well she refers to herself sorry and um, suki refers to herself as a pickpocket yeah. and then also the whole idea of them finding newborns and selling yeah the babies let's just call um, them yeah con- he's he's people. I yeah i would i would say yeah con people con artists um, yeah con artists because yeah. the, the count is a is a forger i'd call him a con artist that? yeah well he definitely is but he yeah. actually purposely trained in forgery if that's he, true yeah. training yeah but yeah them themselves no i just, just say yeah con artists con artists yeah well say early on in the film when he turns up at the con artist household mm-hmm. she's she's questioning the other girl it's not Suki the other girl there constantly asking him is she pretty is she pretty Mm -hmm. he doesn't Mm -hmm. answer her question then finally when Suki meets her she's like damn why didn't they tell me she was pretty exactly and she's like oh I'm left speechless I was like Mm -hmm. oh my god and like straight away gay (laughs) straight it's like gay panic it's just brilliant and even in the beginning it's just laying these seeds that this is going to be a romance because the con artist like i'm like i've forgotten his name um fujiwara he's he's talking about how he's going to seduce 
yeah. Hideko, and you could just hear Suki's inner monologue, and she's like, "What does a forger and what does a con know about love?" And I was like, "Here yeah. we go." Ooh, it's laying yeah. out. That's literally the tagline for the film. Like that mm-hmm. is it. And like, there's some really good lines in this. There's, film, oh, there's just... some brilliant ones. You know when you see like movie screen cap accounts, The Handmaiden. Like it's just the perfect <laughs> oh one God. for it. Should we just like, make a white noise one, just oh dedicated? God. to I the think Handmaiden. we should. Yes, we need to put a post. You'll see this when the <laughs> when this episode goes up. It's yep. going to be a post. It's like some of our favourite lines. It's just going to be like companionship. What does con artists know about love? And then we'll pick Amazing. two more. Oh, it'll be my tobacco, yeah. my suki. That's a that's mm-hmm. a that's a golden one. I, oh, I think I like the one that was like um she said like ladies are the dolls of maids or something oh, like that. Oh my god, that one. That was good. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> don't. That's when she's unbuttoning her corset yeah. as well. <gasps> and she's oh literally god. like, I love it because and again, it doesn't come across in a possessive way, but already she's like, This woman is mine. Straight I up. like she, she. She is mine. She is mine too. Yeah, because look at the jealousy. Yeah. she shows when the camera. Oh my god, and she does. Oh, she doesn't hide it. No, that's that cool. back and forth. I think is my favourite section of the film. And then when mm. it's revisited again in part two, and you see it from Hideko's perspective. Yeah. You know when Suki's looking through the window and Hideko's yeah. pulling away from the count, and mm-hmm. he, he, she thinks he's just being a dick, whereas really he's yeah. just, he is being a dick. I mean, he is being a dick. He's yeah. winding her up more than anything. He's not gonna yeah. really do anything. That mm-hmm. bit is like, oh, there's just so many amazing little romantic moments. There's yeah. not these grand gestures throughout. Mm-hmm. There are, you know, the odd ones, but it's more about the little moments, isn't mm-hmm. it? Like when um, again, that's what just makes it feel more genuine. Because yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah, you know, in relationships, you will get one or the other doing a grand gesture mm-hmm. so often because you know it's nice. But in reality, when you fall in love with someone, it doesn't come from them standing outside of your house with a boot box. No. <laughs> it's from when you come home from like a really hard day and they've done the washing. Or they're mm. like, no, you know what, I'll, I'll cook tonight. Like little things like yeah. that that make you think, I love this person. And that's <laughs> what this film has. Like no yeah. point is it this huge declaration of love. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, you, <laughs> you have what I want and I have what you want. Exactly. And they're both willing to give it to each other. It's like, it's it's that building isn't it it's that whole idea of do you just fall in love or do you choose it and it's in my opinion it's a bit of both isn't it you Mm -hmm. fall in love and then it builds and I think this film shows that perfectly so there's like Mm -hmm. this hidden tension that's obviously Mm -hmm. present and it's the choices they make for each other's benefit which build that really really strong bond to the point where they're literally sacrificing their safety and lives for each other and it's just yeah. so touching. It's. I I also love the fact that it was it was a happy ending. Yes. It was a happy ending. Like, How <laughs> sad is it that that is a unicorn yeah. in gazing? Like, I I can't. I really really off the top of my head cannot think of anyone's. No. Maybe, but I'm a cheerleader. That's the only one oh, I yeah, can true. think of. True, true, true. Mm-hmm. But that is um, that as, as cute as that film is. To mm-hmm. me, I don't. I I know a lot of people are going to kill me for this. I don't see it as this like incredible romantic thing. It's a cute rom com, and yeah, of course, like of course, gay oh, people no. deserve that as well. Yeah, but like, I mean, I, when do we get these I, incredible romantic dramas with a happy ending? Yeah, my love for but I'm a cheerleader comes from the fact that it takes the stereotypes that people believe yeah, in homosexuality and makes fun of them like mm-hmm. I actually would never have described that film as a, as a romance the romance happened in it just because 
when you put teenagers together they think they fall in love that's yeah. why yeah um but i, I love the fact that yeah they took just again it's off a bit of a tangent here but they took the stereotypical tropes made fun of them to make you realize do you see how stupid it is that the uh but i'm a cheerleader makes fun of homosexual stereotypes mm-hmm. whereas the handmaiden doesn't to be honest to me again it depends what you class as a stereotype but doesn't have any stereotypes no you know at no point do i look at it and think mm. okay whether this stems from some truth or not this is a really generic thing people believe like because one of the things we spoke about that is really obvious is that um park chan book did actually consult with queer women yes there's nuance isn't there and you 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 can can feel it we had said that you can just you can just feel a woman's touch throughout this film you had said you had said yourself that if you didn't know it was a male director you would have assumed it was a female director. oh definitely there was i mean there were definitely parts of it that i'm I'm not denying that a female director also could have got into the nitty-gritty of it um but there were parts of it where the female touch obviously stopped Mm -hmm. but the the biggest part of it and the part where it mattered the most was the relationship between the two women and it was it was there Mm -hmm. like it didn't feel voyeuristic for men Mm -hmm. um i mean if anything like the only times it felt voyeuristic were literally when i think during the scene when they're addressing each other and the Mm -hmm. camera is literally placed in the placement of the actresses and you only see their hands but for me, it wasn't for sexual pleasure. It was for you to understand the intimacy and the closeness between I was about these to say women. That. It was about intimacy and, and eroticism rather yeah. than just sex. Like yeah. it's, it's yeah, it's to form a bond. Whenever it does become more explicit, it's about their connection. It's mm-hmm. not about bodies. It's about them as people, especially the sex the films, scenes. Yeah, where I would, despite the explicitness of it, um, would say it's not a sexual film. It is a sensual film. Yes. Because as much happens between them in the bedrooms, outside of the bedroom, mm-hmm. like the way they look at each other, the way they hold their bodies when they're in the same room as each other, the fact mm-hmm. that their eyes are always looking for the other, mm-hmm. um, shows the intimacy that they have more than, because you can, like a, I mean, I'm sure somebody famous probably said this once in a much better way, but like you can have sex with anybody. You can only yes. have intimacy with so many people. Yeah. And that's what this film was. It really portrayed the intimacy more than the sex. Because obviously there are LGBT films that um, focus a lot on the sexual side of it. And to be fair, especially when you first come out, one of the things that you do explore is the sexual side of things. And it isn't always about finding mm-hmm. your forever partner and things like that. But it's nice that not everybody focuses on that. Yes, of You know, it's nice that we actually have this film that it's about these two women that might not be together forever but for right now their forever is now yeah of course i think it's i think like you say it's really interesting to see like eroticism rather than sex explored and i don't think there was anyone more perfect for that than park chan work seriously he's he's so so fascinated by eroticism and he even said himself in an interview that he's interested about stories about life and death and we had said earlier where do they cross gothic what is Mm. abundant in gothic stories eroticism you know it's just perfect and like i i've never even thought before about how perfect like a gothic setting is for eroticism like it's Mm -hmm. crossed my mind like with vampires and stuff but never like non-supernatural 
Do you I know what I mean? I wonder if it goes, yeah, back into the idea that, again, we spoke about in the last episode where we spoke about homoerotism in horror. Yeah. The idea of, again, the quote-unquote outcast mm-hmm. and non, not social norm existing together. Yes, that's true. And that's what Gothic was. It, it was an outlet for not obviously just um, sexuality and homosexuality. It was, for, it was for a lot of things. It was for all kinds of people that were just not accepted in a mainstream yeah. society. Mm-hmm. Um, but that has continued. And it just shows how big of a thing it was because it has continued throughout the years. Because when I was watching this, the set design and all things like that, one of the first things I thought was, this is Gothic. And it's yeah. not a word I thought I would have associated. Well, when you consider the fact that so Park Chan-wook said when he was working with the production designer, they very much tried to show a difference between cultures because like we said, this is based in colonized Korea. So we need that clash between not just Korean and Japanese culture, but also English because the mm-hmm. Count is constantly trying to prove how cultured he is. He has this Victorian style house, the mm-hmm. only one in Japan, they say, which is interesting because this is adapted from a book called Fingersmith, mm-hmm. based in Victoria era England. And it's really interesting they took that into the production design of the film. You know, so they've got the, the basic building block elements of the narrative, but they also take kind of themes and style from the novel, which is really interesting yeah. because a lot of people wouldn't do that. They would, they would just, just take completely. Yeah. Exactly. They would take the narrative and they would run. But what's mm-hmm. so interesting to me is that Park Chan work, yes, he, ch- he he kind of did the opposite. He took the narrative, changed it a fuck ton, but kept a lot of the tone. Yeah, the feelings of it. The, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I think well, it, it definitely worked because it was just, you know, beyond anything else, mm-hmm. so beautiful to watch. Mm-hmm. Everything about it was just like so polished and like, yeah, where, wherever you looked on screen, there was yeah. something like really interesting to look at and it was just... Yeah. yeah, it was everything. This just the mise en scène is incredible. Like the production design, the cinematography, the costume, which I am going to go into in two seconds. But <laughs> one thing I do want to note on is the amount of not to go too technical on you, Sky, but the wide angle lenses, which you mm-hmm. can note because there's so many pillars in this grand house, you can see them bend on the mm-hmm. sides of the frame. That's when you know it's a wide angle lens. And it's just to show like the sheer size of the place and the oh, isolation. Yeah. And it's just like, particularly in the beginning of the film, I noticed a lot of wide lenses used because, you know, it's- The isolation they both feel. Exactly, yeah. 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 Because it's Hideko feeling alienated from her entire world. And then it's, mm-hmm. you know, the alienation of colonialism for Suki. And I thought, I just thought like to use this amazing grand production design and then on top of that use wide angle lenses, it's just, mm-hmm. it's magnificent. Like this film is perfect in so many ways. No wonder it's been acclaimed everywhere because mm-hmm. you know, we're talking amazing performances, which we've not even touched on yet. Amazing <laughs> production design, amazing cinematography, amazing direction. It's, and the music, which we also haven't even touched on. It's just oh God, yeah. everything about this is so romantic and gorgeous and beautiful in every single way. Like, mm-hmm. if you can't tell by now, we want you to watch this film. Oh yeah, it's a great film. We're, we're definitely, I wish we were being, I should, no, I'm talking about this film, obviously, if we weren't being paid to promote it. <laughs> we're just going to be here to promote it anyway. Mate. Um, do you know what? I'm so glad you brought up the music because annoyingly, it's one thing I didn't make a note of, but it's actually something I said um, yeah. to my girlfriend while we were watching it. I was like, I love the music. Yes. Like, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I noticed about it 
is that it is, again, whilst being predominantly a romance, it is a chop and change of different genres, which is yes. very reflected in the music. Mm-hmm. Like at points, it's quite scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, because the way the music changes and mm-hmm. I get it, it's also accompanied by the fact, you know, it's it's the house. I think it's like the first time um, Suki's being shown around like she's just arrived she's being shown around the house mm-hmm. and it's dark and there's nobody around and there's actually like quite um it's intense unnerving music yes. yeah. yeah and i was like this is weird i didn't expect to be scared by this film mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's a lot of the things i didn't yeah. expect but that was the first time in like the first that- whatever 10 minutes or so I was it's like, interesting oh. you say that because the first time I watched it I did notice the same and having seen a lot of other Park Chan work films I really thought it was going to lean way more into the thriller aspect which I'm not yeah. gonna lie I really would have liked to see if there was like an alternate version of this film but I wouldn't want that to be the definitive version of this film I love it the mm. way it is so I, w- I was, like it that it's romantic balance. exactly like mm-hmm. yes, it would be interesting to see that creepier version that it hints at in the beginning, with like mm-hmm. some of its music and all. But at the end of the day, we got a perfect romance. So it's also one of the first times I've watched like so the film's like what it's like two and a half hours, like the original cut of the film. Yeah, like not the extended. So it, it did. Like usually, yeah. um, and I'm I'm going to use examples that people probably know, but like you can't really compare them. But for example, um, the film Meet Joe Black. Yeah, <laughs> it's like three hours long, and one of the reasons I actually love watching that film is because I watch it. I think this is fucking ridiculous. Why are they spending literally yeah. like five, ten minutes on these long yeah. looks? Yep. Or if you want to talk about an unnecessarily long, uncomfortable sex scene, that film has it. <laughs> Not the handmaiden. <laughs> um, but yeah, but this film at no point was I like, oh, you know what? They probably could have cut that down a bit. Like no. they didn't extend anything that didn't it's, need to be extended. I think it was, was perfect so screenwriting. Yeah, you know, like mm-hmm. your basic of any storytelling kind of lesson would be almost every single scene. Well, every single scene ideally should serve a purpose. It's not yeah. like some huge narrative step forward has to happen, but at least build character. Something, something yeah. and every single scene in this did that every single shot in this did that mm-hmm. it was just well, one of the things so i think one of the things we both said is that we really don't have any critiques of this of this film no. and when i was watching it as everything was developing i did have critiques like one of my um critiques in the beginning was the way that scenes were um cut off almost suddenly it's like it feels like there's mm-hmm. more and i knew that there was an extended version so i thought oh okay maybe they have to cut it down for time. That's why I mm-hmm. thought it was a shame because obviously I know that you have to stick to what studios tell you. But I thought it was a shame. But then after the fir- first part was over and it gave you the, the second part and then the third part where they did extend those scenes slightly or they changed the perspective, it made sense yeah. because because they stopped this scene at this place or they didn't show it from this perspective. When they did show it again, it didn't make it boring. It didn't make it repetitive did feel fresh and new and literally honestly felt like I watched three separate yes. not three separate but like three films in, in one sitting but I think what helped even more is they use different angles which if you ask me is yes. fucking genius because yes. a lazy filmmaker would have just used the same scenes recycled it yeah exactly but like Disney did because <laughs> you, <laughs> when you had mentioned earlier about the sex scene they just explore it more in the second yeah. part it's like you know they don't show you all the sex in the beginning which I think is genius and mm-hmm. Then another example is when Suki is 
urging Hideko to marry the Count mm. and she pushes her back into her maid's quarters. Yeah, doesn't make sense the, at first. No, in the first part, you see that from... Who do you see that from? You see that from, obviously, Suki's perspective. Mm-hmm. And the second time around, you see it from Hideko's. Well, yeah. obviously, the other way around, you see Hideko, like, pushing Suki. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of... Like, seeing... literally, because the narrative has been from exactly, Hideko's Exactly, exactly. Like, from... yeah. yeah, like, visually, you're seeing it from Suki's perspective. But mm-hmm. narratively, you're understanding Because now you, you're put in the position. I mean, this is such exactly. an interesting thing with film. Because, like, obviously, with books... It's, it's easy because you choose um, the point of view. You choose first, second, yeah. or third. Mm-hmm. Films, it's difficult because, you know, it's not a game. You can't literally put somebody in a first-person perspective. Because mm-hmm. um, it just doesn't... I mean, maybe there is a film out there where they've done it and it works. Like, I haven't mm-hmm. seen it, but personally, I can't imagine it working. No. But this film does put you in the perspective of mm-hmm. both of these women at different points and you get this understanding from them. And I think one of the reasons why I think it was really interesting that they extended the sex scene in the second half is because by then you understood the relationship between them all. And that's why, to me, it didn't feel exploitive and um, voyeuristic because it wasn't done to be like, these women are having sex. It's like, Mm -hmm. this is the connection that they've made. Yeah. And And now they're expressing that in a physical way. And also it's a really important part of the novel. Mm-hmm. I haven't read the full novel, but from everything I've read, talking about the adaptation, sex is a huge aspect of the novel. So to just erase that from a film adaptation would just mm-hmm. be, it just wouldn't make sense. And it would mm-hmm. contribute to just, you know, alienating lesbian women further. Yeah. Like, why should they be denied sex scenes just because it's visual yeah. and considered more explicit than het sex scenes? Mm-hmm. It's the ridiculous. amount of, like, yeah heterosexual sex scenes i've had to sit through exactly like and, <laughs> yeah and we all know it like i said that there are situations where they do not need to be in there no. it's like and not even in like oh you know i don't want to see it it's more just you know i would much rather you have cut that and then extended this part of it yeah and again that's why i love this film because they had that extended physical side of it but I wasn't mad about it because they had spent so much time on the intimacy yeah it, it's almost like it had earned it yeah does that make sense obviously you don't need to like earn it but in the same way you do well it's like you said about every scene should have a point whether mm-hmm. it's a big point or a small point that contributes to the narrative mm-hmm. and it's the same with sex scenes yeah. like unless you are doing it for a gratuitous nature that you, mm-hmm. you know you just want to be like here's some sex just yeah. judge it off a bit Sometimes it's like you said, it's like a, a, a lazy, a lazy way to make something more interesting because yeah. you've got two naked people on screen. Yeah. Um, whereas this, again, didn't need to do it, but it did, and yeah, I didn't feel offended by it. I didn't feel uncomfortable. I didn't feel yeah. disgusted. I didn't like. It was yeah. I, I like, felt the relationship between these two women, and it yes. made sense. It's it's insane to me that a film could repeat the same sex scene and it just have a totally different meaning. Yeah. It's incredible. And that just shows the power of editing and pacing and writing. But another Mm -hmm. thing that I want to note is we're talking about all these sex scenes. It's really important to note that it was a closed set. So Park Tram Work made sure there were not more people on there than needed. There's Mm -hmm. literally the basic core crew. And Mm -hmm. there were 
I'd like to imagine intimacy coordinators like with normal people that was released earlier this year. I think I read somewhere that they made a point of filming. I think this, the sex scenes were some of the scenes they filmed first because Park Chan-wook understood how um, straining it can be on actors and actresses, yeah. especially when they, you know, this is the first thing they're doing together and mm. now you've got to get naked. Yeah. And he didn't want that to weigh on them. Mm-hmm. through the whole production and, and I'm also pretty sure I read somewhere that he actually had no men on set no I don't think I don't all. think he did or he had maybe like one very yeah. minimal yeah 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 which is and, how it should be because it is and it's like it's not a prudish thing it's just it's a very intimate thing you you, you do yeah. and then doing it with a stranger and weirdly simulating it I think is even more like, of course it's, because it's even more uncomfortable I don't know and I probably should have researched, but I don't know if either of the actresses is queer. I don't I think they are. That, yeah. I'm really amazed if they aren't because yeah. that is a fucking incredible acting on their part. <laughs> like, th- th- there was genuine like sexual chemistry. Like, if that yeah. is acting, I'm fucking amazed. But mm-hmm. um, d- I just want to point out to you, I'm not sure if you knew this, but Kim Min-hee, who plays mm-hmm. Hideko, has been in other films where she's like, men are disgusting. Let's run away together to other women. So I'm getting vibes. Yeah, I'm getting Should, vibes. I'm really, surely. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. But um, and another thing I want to say is we're talking about sex scenes. Uh, ending the film on a sex scene, perfect. Yeah. Perfect choice mm-hmm. for this film. Mm-hmm. Couldn't end it any other way, really, could you? Mm-hmm. Definitely. But, they've earned that like they're free of everything they're just like fuck it let's have fun and that's what it felt like as well it, really it was did. just like they were so happy you felt yeah like so like in the other scene you saw them in you felt their intensity and in this scene they were happy they were away they were exactly. free the, the villains mm. were gone you yep. know um and i think actually one scene that we haven't spoken about um sexual wise that is just as but um poignant is um Hideko's uh, masturbation scene. Oh my god, that was incredible. Because, again, usually my mind figures it out and I'm like, oh, this is probably what's happening. Did not. And just, it's just the power (laughs) that she has in not only remaining eye contact with him and being like, you can see this, but you can't touch it. Mm -hmm. But the power she's taking Mm -hmm. back over her own body because she's only ever been used... Wait, sorry, that was the timer. That was the timer. Oh. If you could just go back one sentence, sorry. Sorry. Right. <laughs> he said um, she was maintaining eye contact. Well, she was maintaining eye contact with the count. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like I said, she, she's taking back the sexuality and the dominion over her own body because up until, like I said, that point, she she wants to kill herself, just yep. like her aunt did. That was her only escape. Whereas now she's like, nope, this is mine. Before yep. anybody else's, this is mine. And it's the truth. And that's why, like I said, when she's with um, Suki, like I said, she gives herself to this woman willingly. Mm. You know, it's not taken from yeah. her. She's um, so used yeah. for men and she's reclaiming that part mm. of herself for herself. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. And also in that scene, let's point out, obviously we have to do the whole fake the blood, consummate the marriage thing because it's yeah. assumed that she would be a virgin beforehand. So that's mm-hmm. a nice little nod to true, patriarchal yeah. thinking. Which, of course, yes, okay, she was trapped in her house, but, you know, there's wider wider context. And um, also, in that scene, the gloves. We've got to talk about the gloves. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. The camera did, lingers yeah. on them in that scene. Mm-hmm. 
I did notice that as well. The fact mm. that, like, like you said before, that you know she does wear gloves, which, like you said, is a sign of um, aristocracy and things like that. But also the fact that she only takes them off when she's with Suki, yes. like, she, like being that vulnerable, like, because especially for the, the first part, mm-hmm. um, Hidako is seen as this vulnerable, fragile, you know, mm-hmm. on the brink of breaking character. Um, and she makes it very obvious that she's not. Yes. You know, she is very strong. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like the gloves are her way of being like, you can take as much as you want that you think you can from me. Yeah. But there are certain parts of me you won't. Yeah. And it's the thing That's he wants she, most. Yeah. Exactly. As much as she, she says he cares about her money, he also even admits he's basically fallen in love with her. She's yeah, like, he Fuck just wants no. dominion over her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He just wants to and own that is her in every way. Mm. yeah yeah that is showing yeah, by the way he treats her the fact that he yeah. has this no interest in her the only time he touches her is when he's teasing her mm-hmm. until he does try to have sex with her yeah. and then she's like no i i also want to point out that scene where she's like masturbating in front of him i love that she removes her kimono mm-hmm. like just this repressive thing like mm-hmm. whilst like kimonos in general are not you know they're not cons- considered oppressive it's this like gorgeous traditional garment in the context of that scene and maybe this yeah. film it is considered a restrictive thing she removes mm-hmm. it does her business puts it back on like <laughs> you're not touching it and it's brilliant she's keeping eye contact the whole time also yeah. another thing about that scene because i think the scene sums up the film when she's like getting off it mm-hmm. just adds layers to the confusion the complexity because suki from the other room thinks she's hearing them have sex and also yeah. she's basically getting off hearing suki like singing you can yeah. kind of hear it in yeah. the distance yeah i was like there are layers to this this is <laughs> all amazing. this is so yeah. many shades of bizarre but like mm-hmm. it's also like whoa <laughs> like, i can't even describe it the, and, it's like i said to you the whole thing felt like a giant puzzle and you were just being yes. given the pieces as you went along and then by the end you were just fully satisfied with what you had yep. consumed it's incredible you don't feel like you want to go and watch your movie sucks or cinema sins like you feel satisfied by the end that could Mm -hmm. just be us but i like to think everyone does but um uh, before we went on that tangent about that scene in particular (laughs) and i and i said about the gloves just want to note as sky said symbol of aristocracy and she takes them off when she's with suki but i think a bigger thing is that she's taking them off when she's in control when she's not putting on a performance so when suki gets taken to the mental institution in place of hideko hideko has her gloves off when she's looking at suki she puts them back on before turning back to the count she stops crying puts the gloves back on i'm like bitch it's genius yeah it's It's brilliant she's wearing them when she's doing the readings Mm -hmm. it's just it's it's she's and also it gave me theo crane from haunting mm. of hill house like as in i'm gonna that's, numb yeah, myself exactly <laughs> yeah. what i thought as well and there's this weird eroticism to them as well like as much as it's more mm-hmm. when she doesn't have them on because you know bare touch there is mm-hmm. like a creep i don't want to say creepy because that mm. could be insulting but it does give you almost like a bdsm vibe when she's yeah. doing them in the performances because they're like levery kind of ones aren't they mm-hmm they're different and you had pointed out earlier all her drawers of gloves yeah she has like six drawers of gloves and again i know it's because of her position as a lady in society but like 
no one needs that many gloves <laughs> apart from her obviously you know the bit when she's about to go to the reading and mm-hmm. she's saying like oh help me choose gloves mm-hmm. like now i know about the glove metaphor i feel like every time i watch that film i'm gonna see that bit where she's you know what i've also just realized as well, even what? after i found out about obviously her reading the erotic stories to the men i did yeah. not pick up the fact that she said i'm going to my reading yeah or my reading lesson or whatever did yeah. not pick up that's where Awful, she was going genuinely still thought she was going to just a normal lesson sad in it Oh my god. <laughs> I just I think the whole reading thing is so perverse. We haven't even touched on that. It's just mm-hmm. so so hideous. The scenes again, shown when she it, was a it, kid are yeah. awful. It comes from the idea that like she's had you know her whole childhood innocence stolen from her. Mm-hmm. Um and like you said, it's, it's through reading this these erotic stories. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it somehow it like you said, it makes you feel dirty and horrible watching the scene yeah. where she's reading to these men because but, of their reactions. Like they're yeah. not even touching her. And no. it's just like oh. it's because she's on display and they're using it for their own satisfaction. There's even yeah. a point where I is it the uncle or is it the count who says, um, you can read out a different story and people are imagining different things. That is so unsettling. Mm. because I think it's, I you think don't it's know what's going election. on in their head yeah it yeah. just seems darker doesn't it because it's like oh yeah what are they thinking whilst mm-hmm. this poor girl's reading because they must know she's not choosing to they don't care they're mm-hmm. enjoying it and the fact that she adds these little performance flares that really mm-hmm. got under my skin because she's not mm-hmm. she's not come up with them on the spot she's been told to do them because like you said yeah. she has reading lessons she doesn't just have reading she has lessons where he's training her disgusting he, yeah what he wants yeah. her to do it's hideous she's just been training to do it Ooh. it was so interesting like again it just brings the, the whole movie feels so connected i don't know how yeah. else to explain it planting and payoff um, right? yeah but like you know when the uncle is talking about how like you said people imagine their own stories when they hear it and mm-hmm. then one of the other biggest themes in this film is the idea of the unreliable narrator Yes. The fact oh. that, you know, you are seeing the story from one point of view and you believe it and you sympathize with this character and then you get shown it from the other point of view and you're like, oh. And like one of the things people hate the most is when their views get challenged yes. because they're like, they're, they're led to believe so strongly another way that it's like, nope, that's not how you thought it was. And it's just, I thought it was so interesting because even though he was talking about the stories and he was talking about the fact you know, it was even more explicit and sexual and um, gratifying for the men to have stories um, read to them instead of like watching her do things mm-hmm. because they said they could imagine it their own way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just thought it was so interesting how it then played back to the whole idea that we've just been told this story in three different ways. Listen, it's just, mm-hmm. this film is like challenging and unique and interesting in so many ways without feeling overwhelming. I think you yeah. still feel like you can just enjoy a film. Mm-hmm. and i had said to you earlier that's something i find incredible about say in particular park chan works films and his peers they will add this meaning to their films without making it the film mm-hmm. and i think that in a way i think that in a way makes it more powerful because it it's confident enough in what it's saying that it doesn't feel the need to slap you across the face with it you yeah. know so um as we've discussed in the past nearly an hour we've talked about um colonialism 
of what we could possibly talk about mm-hmm. because we are incredibly uneducated on east asian yeah. colonialism and i'm not even going to pretend that we know enough yeah. uh sexuality um a few other topics which i've forgotten off the top of my head <laughs> they're, there. they're there and it's just i don't i don't know i don't think i can name another film which so confidently balances mm. so many different ones and also on such a difficult narrative like you're saying from different perspectives like it's a brave filmmaker to do that and i oh, respect it yeah well, i think you can tell that we have extremely positive reviews of this film <laughs> would highly encourage you to go watch it if you haven't mm-hmm. i really hope anybody that's still listening now hasn't um sorry everyone has watched it because i would just hate for it to be ruined or anything to be taken yeah. away you know experiencing it that first time even then it's still worth watching it just is mm-hmm. um but it's definitely like I, I before we started recording this i said to liana it's one of those films that when people say to you if you could have uh, a film or a book erased from your mind so you could experience it again what would it be and it would definitely be this film <laughs> i would love to watch it not knowing anything again and just experience everything yeah, definitely this is something i'd meant I'd meaned to mention earlier on in the episode, but I'll just mention it here as we're kind of wrapping thoughts up, is that there's this there's this topic of the Korean new wave, obviously in Korean cinema, and this film did not start it. By no means is it going to end it, but I think it's a perfect example of what new wave cinema can be for a country. You know where I'm going with this. I feel like I lost yeah. my train of thought there, but it's... <laughs> I don't know how to explain. I just think that this film is clearly in my top four and Mm -hmm. I have many thoughts about it and I just can't even put them into words. I just get lost because I think when something touches you so deeply, you can't necessarily explain it. Mm -hmm. You just have to watch it and feel it for yourself. Well, that's just it. And that's what this film is. Despite the explicit nature that it does also have, the majority of it is in the intensity, intimacy, the energy and the feelings of it. And that's why, yeah. Like, a lot Mm -hmm. of the things that you'll probably find in your life that you have such a passion and love for, Mm -hmm. it's difficult to explain why, because it's something you do have to experience yourself. And you saying those things, passion and intensity and all, Mm -hmm. those are things which I really would say are so present in Korean cinema. If there's Mm going to be one thing that I add to my end note, which is obviously Watch the Handmaiden, it would be check out more Korean cinema. Not just Park Chan work, but yeah, maybe mm-hmm. Park Chan work because he's incredible. <laughs> I'm gonna. I mean, I've already said to Sky, you gotta get going with Park Chan work. Oh, I'm on it. Like I said, this this film was my gateway. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, it's. I don't know if you. Yeah, if you enjoyed this, it could be worth a go because you never know. You might find some stuff which you didn't really think did exist. AKA old oh boy, because nothing mm-hmm. is quite like that film. So. I think everyone listening and Sky should watch Old Boy. Oh fuck my phone! <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's um, a sign from the universe to wrap this yeah. baby up. Yeah, <laughs> that's. I will edit that out, <laughs> <laughs> or I'll leave it. We'll see. As we've said, incredible film on so many levels for so many different reasons. I personally can't put it into words. I'd like to say I could do that cool thing a lot of podcasts do where they're like, sum it up in three words, but I just, I don't know. I couldn't do it. Ten out of ten. That's my three words. <laughs> Is that even three words? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. That's, never mind. <laughs>
mine might be like actually now i think about it, it might be like letterboxed five stars done <laughs> brilliant there we go well those are our summaries if that doesn't convince you i do not know what will we're really bad at endings yeah like this could literally be it we'll just fade out to me going Park Chan-wook is incredible and I could talk about his entire filmography. <laughs> 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 Pretty well.